So if you're listening to this podcast, you know that Kevin and I love a certain type of movie. But what you may or may not know is that we also both really love dogs. I love my dogs so much. I have two and they're my kids. Yeah, I'm currently in the market for a new dog. And I can tell you that as soon as I find one, it's going to get BarkBox. When BarkBox shows up here each month, we call it Puppy Christmas. Why? Because your goodest boy or girl is going to get two innovative toys, two all-natural bags of treats, and a chew curated from a unique theme collection. So head to BarkBox.com slash Cultasplat and get a free extra month when you sign up for a new subscription. That's BarkBox.com slash Cultasplat. Once again, everyone, welcome to another episode of Cult of Splat. I am your host, Taylor Bartle, and of course, joined by my co-host, Kevin Nisgoda. Yo. What's up with you? Not much. Just got done watching a movie about the Boston Celtics. How about you? Oh, which one? Uh, Celtic Pride. Hadn't seen that in a while. I figured you should watch it since the Celtics are back in uh, the NBA Finals. Plus, it's Pride Month, so it's, you know. Hey. The Celtics should have an NBA Finals pride jersey. I, I mean, why not? They got 27 other jerseys. Yeah. Come on, NBA. Let's throw, let's throw like, you know, some pride jerseys in for the finals. Just rainbow striped, head to toe. Yeah. No difference between either team. <laughs> <laughs> They'll figure it out. They play with each other 100 plus games a year. It'd be so obnoxious to watch on TV. It would be it's like, I'm pretty sure Jason Tatum didn't mean to throw to Steph Curry there. <laughs> But who knows? The score is fun to fun and everybody's a winner. <laughs> we all get participation trophies. Yeah. It feels nice to have a participation trophy. We're not losing 152 to nothing. God, that's my I think that's my favorite episode of How I Met Your Mother. It doesn't matter what the score is. It could be 38 to nothing. It's 38 to nothing. <laughs> oh, Kenny, I'm begging you. <laughs> There. My name is Ref. If you don't uh, shape up, I'll give you a technical. <laughs> I'm begging you, Kenny. I'm begging you. There's a, a Teen one. Wolf on the court. <laughs> I know the Teen Wolf looks different, but just treat him the same as everyone else. <laughs> okay. So many- okay. Anyways, this is not a How I Met Your Mother podcast. Although maybe that's uh, what we should do next. There has to be multiple. I'm surprised there's not one with like Josh Radner. And like Neil Patrick Harris and Lily, you know, doing some like, you know, they're not really working a whole lot right now. Oh, dude, the other day I just realized like the guy who played Scooter um, is actually Neil Patrick Harris's husband in real life. Yeah. I did did not put two to two. You just realized it? I did not put two and two together for so long. Again, this is not a How I Met Your Mother podcast. Right. No. Uh, this is Cult of Splat, where we watch movies that uh, critics hate, but that we love. And today we are talking about Celtic Pride. God, we went on a tangent there. <laughs> um, before we jump into the movie, though, I just want to thank all our new listeners. I saw uh, our numbers getting bumped up in the UK. Hello, so, uh, UK. Yeah. And and we also, we topped the crack. We, we topped the crack 
Um, we cracked the top 50 in film review podcasts in South Africa. Hell yeah. Watch out other 49 podcasts in front of us. We're coming for you. Because, you know, American cinema, so much better than South African cinema, I assume. I Have you ever seen a South you. African movie? I have never seen a South African movie. As far as I know, all they do is go white shark diving and, like, you know, apartheid. And by Twitter. By Twitter, yeah. And play Ants Marching. <laughs> I think he's officially a Seattleite now. I, I would say so. Yeah, he's been there long enough. He's lived here for 30 years, and he plays yeah. the gorge every other weekend. So Yeah. Doesn't he live in your neighborhood? Don't you live in Wallingford? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last so I he... heard, anyways. I don't know. I don't stalk Dave Matthews. but I, Last I heard, he lived in Wallingford, so Dave Matthews is practically your neighbor. Sure. <laughs> You're, like, right there. Okay, so, uh, like Kevin said, the Boston Celtics are in the, the 2022 NBA Finals, so that's why we're talking about Celtic Pride, uh, also just because I love this movie. It's a fun movie. I haven't, I hadn't seen this in forever. I think I saw it like right when it came out and it's been a long time since I've seen it since. Care to guess what the uh, tomato meter rating is? Sub 10. Yep. Is it 8% again? It is 8% again. How many movies are we going to do that are 8%? <laughs> All of them. The rest uh, of the movies we're doing are 8%. The 8% club. Yeah. Uh, audience scores were not too much more favorable uh 31%. Ooh, this might be our lowest combined. I I think I say that every week though. Yeah, but I think you may be right this time. We should actually put uh a tracker on this and see what the combined scores are. Yeah, we actually should. That's a um, good idea. I'll I'll start putting a spreadsheet together. All right. And then we'll record it and people can watch me do a spreadsheet on our website in our YouTube channel. Do you want to watch Nobody that? Nobody want to see that. No one wants to see me spreadsheet. Uh, strangely, no critics consensus on this. Interesting. Do they just get up and walk out? <laughs> I was reading the reviews and most of them just boiled down to not funny. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, this is from 1996 when the Celtics were not very good. No, they were terrible in 96. You know who was good back in 1996? The Seattle Supersonics. We should have won a championship that year. Damn, yeah. Oh, and we would have, too, if it wasn't for those meddling Chicago Bulls. <sighs> oh, this was goddamn Bulls. Oh, I'm Michael Jordan. You're going to give me an NBA championship. <laughs> was that your Mike Myers impression? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I still need to watch the Pentaveret. <laughs> it's not that good. Oh, that makes me so sad. I know. I'm sorry. The source material is so great. Anyway. So this is directed by Tom DeSerchio, who I desearched for. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you had to do it. <laughs> I had to. Uh, but as far as I can tell, he the only other thing he's directed are a couple of short films. Yeah, this dude does not have his own IM, or not IMDb, but his own wiki. He has no link. Yeah, he's got an IMDb, but it's I'd seriously like, I think, four or five things. And there's this and a bunch of shorts. Our IMDb's might be longer. Uh, yeah, they might be. Uh, written by some guy named Judd Apatow. Ooh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Apatow. Apatow-tow? Apatois. Judd. That sounds like a redneck name. That guy will never amount to anything after this movie, I bet. Well, except for Judd Hirsch. He was fucking harsh in The Breakfast Club. 
Oh, good point. Uh, based on a story by Judd Apatow and Colin Quinn. Random, 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 like writing partners. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're joking. We know who Judd Apatow is. He's a very famous comedian and writer. Uh, and Colin Quinn, if for people who don't know, was on SNL. Uh, he's also very Boston. So Very Boston. <laughs> it's like Mark Wahlberg and Colin Quinn. Yeah. It's that Boston. That Baston. Baston. They park the car by the Avoc in the park. Uh, IMZB says two overloyal Celtic fans kidnap their opponent's star player in order to guarantee their team the championship. They got it. They got it right. Nailed it. 100%. I think that's the best one yet. Yeah, because it's actually like has real details from the movie. It isn't just like basketball fans watch basketball. In the garden. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, let's go back to, you know, 1996. The last time the Sonics played for a championship. I was 15. You were 13. Yes. If, If we had the means... Would we have would you have kidnapped Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen or Dennis Rodman? So funny story I was going to get into later, but we'll go ahead and tell it now. Oh, my bad. Uh, Jeff Ament or Ament. I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce this, but uh, he's the guitar player for Pearl Jam uh-huh. and another member of Pearl Jam. But I don't, I don't know which one. I know it wasn't Eddie, but it was one of the other guys uh, actually met Dennis Rodman in a bar before I want to say game six. No, game three? I'm not sure. Before one of the games of the NBA Finals, and they were like, let's get him so drunk that he can't play tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) So they actually Celtic prided Dennis Rodman. Holy shit. They said they all three of them just got just absolutely blackout drunk. Uh, but, and the next day they went to the game, you know, they're sitting there in their courtside seats with their sunglasses, just like, oh my god, I fucking hate my life. And Dennis Rodman's like, oh hey guys, good to see you again. Dennis Rodman, half his blood alcohol, half his blood is alcohol. So, or at least it was back in the mid nineties. You cannot out party Dennis Rodman. No, it would have taken a member of Motley Crue to out party Dennis Rodman. You you cannot out party former NWO member Dennis Rodman. That's right. Future (laughs) wrestling hall of famer Dennis Rodman. Well, I should say NWO member because when you're NWO, you're NWO for life. For life. We both did the hand signals. We're nerds. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he actually he went and did bash at the beach and then was at practice the next day yeah that's dedication because pro wrestling you know hurts not easy yeah it hurts you work in pro wrestling i know a pro, i grew up with a pro wrestler i did backyard with him it hurts yeah okay so are we ready to jump into celtic pride i think so we have tangented enough I let's think. jump in uh i love that the very first thing you hear is Kevin, you are playing the five. Yep. And that's <laughs> what they wanted to redo in high school, too. And I was like, no, I'm a guard. See, like, I had the opposite. I was always tall, so I played in the post. And then they were like, we want you to play guard. And I was like, I can't dribble. See, I had the exact pro- opposite problem. Like, I dribbled. I was a decent guard. And they're like, no, you're the tallest guy out here, so we need you to go play center. And I'm like, I don't fucking know what to do down there. You know what? Screw this. I'm going to go swim with my friends. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm out of here. This is stupid. See, nowadays you'd be a stretch five and it'd be fine. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I could play in today's basketball, but you know, back then it's like, oh, you're the tallest, you're a center. Like that don't make no shit. Am I going to play center in college? Fuck no. At I six, will play four. in college. At six, four? Hell no. This isn't Villanova. 
<laughs> this isn't the goddamn Golden State Warriors. <laughs> There's no death lineup yet. No one has invented small ball. Yeah, this is why nobody from Aberdeen High School ever goes to the press. Because you're putting six, four people in positions where they cannot succeed at the next level. Because <laughs> even in, like, you know, playing in, like, you know, junior college, centers are still going to be, like, 6'10". At least, yeah. Yeah, they're still six, you know. And you, you've spent the last four years not learning how to dribble and just, like, playing, you know, back to the basket because it was the mid-90s and that's what you did. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, uh, we see Daniel Stern, who plays Mike O'Hara. Uh, of course, most famously known as uh, Marv from uh, Home Alone. And his son is my state senator. No shit. Yeah, no shit. Henry is my state senator. He's actually pretty good, too. I like him. Good politician, that one. Nice. He actually cares. So Daniel Stern is, uh, I, I, we hear him first. And again, he's yelling, you know, Kevin, you're playing the five. And that means you got to set a back pick. And, you know, then you got to go through the back door and look for the pass and yada, yada, yada. And then finally, when we fade in, we see that he's coaching like nine-year-olds. If that, <laughs> they could be they could be kindergartners. Yeah, and so he's just like, "All right, any questions?" And every hand goes up, and they're like, "Can we go on the trampoline?" <laughs> we don't know how to run a motion offense. What is this triangle you speak of? <laughs> and so Daniel Stern just says, "All right, fine, go jump on the trampoline, but no flips," because. Billy Williams ruined that for everybody because he had to sue the school when he hurt his neck. <laughs> Fuck Billy Williams and ruin it for everybody. I was surprised it got that far in Boston. I'm surprised it didn't like you know tell him to like rub some Ovaltine on it or some shit. <laughs> just like, get back some dirt on it. <laughs> get some. Take a salt tablet, kid. Get back out there. <laughs> um, there's also this kid here. This is '96, remember? But there's a kid in this group with a rat tail and steps shaved to the side of his hair. <laughs> It was Boston. It had to be South Boston, right? If he's rocking that. If I could selfie trash. <laughs> he was probably self- Southie trash. <laughs> Hanging out with Will Hunting. <laughs> this kid comes up to, to Daniel Stern. He says, you know, hey, Mr. O'Hara, you look really sad. Are you okay? And he's like, you know, I, I'm worried because my Celtics are playing a very important basketball game tonight. And I, I really want them to win. This kid is like, well, the most important thing is that they try their hardest and have fun, right? Daniel no. Stern says, no. No, the most important thing is that they win. We're not talking about kickball where there's nothing at stake. We're talking about the NBA. They have to win. They're tearing down the garden at the end of the season, so this is their last chance at glory. They won't lose because I won't let them lose. Very convicted. You know what? I've been pissed off about this for like 20-some-odd years, but they should have never torn down the garden. That, Dude, I couldn't just, believe it's been almost 30 years. That thing should have been renovated. It's like a historical landmark. It should have never been torn down and replaced. I hate America sometimes. Like we're so obsessed with replacing old and like historic with like shiny and new. Like they don't do that in Europe. Like you know what? Like Santiago Bernabeu, it's been renovated like four times and it's been up since like the 40s. You know, they have Fenway in Boston. They keep renovating that. Why couldn't they renovate the garden? Why am I talking in a Boston accent terribly right now? <laughs> talking about it. Anyway, um, I digress. I mean, I, I only have one rule. New is always better. And it's my oldest rule, so it's the most important. Oh, well, you know, my motto is everybody weighing chunk tonight. <laughs> so No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. 
Daniel Stern's wife shows up at the school to give him divorce papers, which just seems unnecessarily cruel. Yeah, and you know what? Seeing her, they're definitely in South Boston. <laughs> but like, it's not like it's not like it's a process server serving him at school. Like, it's his no. wife comes to his job and gives him divorce papers. Like, yeah, come on. And she printed them off like two like breakups ago. So you know that's a stable and healthy relationship. Yeah. But she tells him, you know, that the reason he's such a sad person is because he's, his dream of playing in the NBA is dead. And he's just like, oh, my dream is dead and starts yelling at her. He starts then they, they go out of the office and he starts yelling at the kids. Hey, kids, my dream is dead. <laughs> Don't cry. <laughs> he's like, I'm not afraid to say it. I am a grown man and I love the Celtics. <laughs> Cut to uh, Damon Wayne's who plays Lewis Scott, who plays for the Utah Jazz. He's doing a commercial where he says, you know, I am not a hero. I don't want to raise your kids. I don't even like kids. Very reminiscent of an old Charles Barkley commercial. I'm no role model. I throw dudes through bar windows. <laughs> He's rocking the Jordan 11s. Oh, those are sweet shoes, too. Uh, I, I didn't. I thought Damon Waynes was like much shorter. Right? Yeah, he's like a legit 6'2". Yeah, I was like, Damon Wayne couldn't be in the NBA. He's like 5'7". Nope, he's 6'2". Yeah, he's not Tom Cruise height. He's, uh, you know, our height. I mean, he would be short for the NBA, but... Yeah, he'd he'd be a guard playing at 6'2". Yeah, he's only an inch shorter than Steph Curry. Yeah, Steph Curry's 6'3". I I, I thought he he looks 5'7 on the court. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We then see Dan Aykroyd who plays Jimmy Flaherty and he's watching this commercial. And he's just like, Oh, my Celtics are going to beat the crap out of you. And then he switches over to the Bruins game and he's getting all excited watching this Bruins game. Cam Neely's going to cinch it for us. Uh, and you see, he's in this really nice, like den with a big screen TV, but he's got a, he's got a shirt on that says Flaherty plumbing on the back. Yeah. And so you're just like, how does a plumber, afford this house and then you realize it's it's actually a client's house and the guy walks in and you know he's like have you fixed my toilet yet and he's like oh i'm gonna get right on that as soon as soon as neely cinches this for us no like as he's walking out he's just like "Ooh, like we're still watching the tv and the guy's like get the fuck out of my dad <laughs> fix my fucking toilet i need to take a shit yeah that, there's got to be more than one toilet in that house though it was gargantuan. definitely yeah definitely, that was not yeah. that was not south boston <laughs> uh we we then see daniel stern talking to his son and he says you know son there was a time in this country where sports were revered nowadays people's values are all out of whack by the way your mom and i are getting divorced i think that's how my dad told us he and my mom are getting divorced <laughs> no it wasn't like that <laughs> uh flash forward to they're at a bar called fj doyle and company that sounds very boston Ackroyd and Stern are sitting there at the bar. Uh, Ackroyd asks Stern, he says, you know, what's wrong? You, you only finished one order of ribs. So Stern tells him, you know, that his wife served him divorce papers and it seems like it's real this time. And Ackroyd starts smiling and uh, Stern's like, you know, what the hell are you smiling at? And he's like, last time you had a major breakup, the Celtics won the championship. And Stern's like, don't think that hasn't crossed my mind. So like, even while going through a divorce, he's just like, this could be a good thing. It, it, yeah, people have weird superstitions like 
when the Sonics went to the finals, like I didn't clip my toenails the entire playoff run, and then like one of them broke, and the Sonics lost in the finals. So it's your fault. Yeah, it could be. We're not, I can't rule it out for sure. The world may never know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, their friend, also named Kevin, another Kevin already, uh, shows up, who is a Boston police officer. They ask him, shouldn't you be planning evidence on someone about this time of night? And he's like, oh, I already did that. (laughs) Cops have always been crooked. This movie proves it. (laughs) Uh, On the TV, we see there's there's a press conference going on. And Lewis Scott has been fined for missing practice. And when, you know, he's talking to the media and he says, oh, I must have been hurt. My back must have gone out from carrying the sorry ass team. (laughs) So that's the kind of person that he is. Yeah, I don't know. If, like, even if I was an uh, incredibly selfish person, I don't know. If, like, I'd call my finals team a sorry ass team. Yeah, you got to really think that you're hot shit to think that you're the sole reason that team is there. You're scoring every point, getting every rebound. Well, you don't have to do assists since you're scoring every point. So <laughs> you know, playing 48 minutes, averaging 104 points a game. So cut to they're at at the Garden. For game the actual six. garden, the actual, they filmed at the actual garden for this. Yeah, which is really cool. But I think they only got to do this because they were literally tearing it down as soon as they fil- were done filming. Probably. God, it still pisses me off. Anyway, as they go in, they like kiss their fingers and you know tap the the doors on the way in. They got their ritual. They're heading to their seats, and there's this old couple that sits next to them, the Tanners, and they're like, "Oh, hey, Mr. Tanner, how you doing?" He's like, "Ah, oh, I spent all morning on the bull." Well, that's a good Daniel, sign. Daniel says, that's always a good sign. <laughs> uh, Ackroyd gets a free hot dog from Susie, the hot dog woman, who says, you know, it's just the way I like it. I even toasted the bun. He's like, there's no toaster here. She says, oh, I use my curling iron. <laughs> so she's clearly got a big crush on Jimmy. Yeah. And kind of spoiler. They never really take it anywhere. There could have been no. a nice love story here. But no, they have like two interactions the rest of the movie. Yeah, I was going to say, this is like one of two times that you ever even see Susie. Yeah, and the next time she's mad, but we'll get to that later. Uh, so they're like, I don't know, four rows behind the visiting team bench. And I have questions. They're a PE teacher and a, and a low level and a plumber. How the fuck did they afford those tickets? Because even back in 96, people like that could not afford those tickets unless they were handed down. Especially for the NBA Finals. Yeah, those like that they said a dude paid three hundred bucks for a scalper. So you know those tickets are at least like, you know, one fifty, and those dudes cannot spare one fifty. Well, especially also since, you know, skipping ahead a little bit, uh Jimmy collects all these sports memorabilia. How does he afford all that? I don't know. Like oh, well, he does live in a shitty apartment where his again, his rent's only three hundred bucks. Three hundred dollars comes into this movie quite a bit, actually, thinking about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, his rent's 300 bucks, but still that seems like it'd be a stretch for him. Right. I would think. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, Daniel Stern is a big time shit talker. Big time. And I love that Dan Aykroyd's character, like, seems like he wants to shit talk. He doesn't really know what to say and he doesn't want to be a, a focal point. No, not at all. Focal point. So, so it's like <laughs> Daniel Stern will yell something and then Aykroyd will just kind of like, Put an exclamation point on it. So it's like the the first thing he yells is jazz music sucks. And so do you. And then Ackroyd's like, so do you. you suck. You suck. 
uh, some some more of his trash talking is why don't you go back to Utah and get yourself a few more wives? That was a good one. Why don't you go join the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, you Donnie and Marie loving freaks? That was also a good one. Uh, you're in Bean Town now, baby. Bean Town. <laughs> Bean Town. I hear Manute Bull is banging your mom. Whoa. <laughs> Manute Bull. Your mom. Manute Bull. <laughs> and uh, and Damon Wayne's. Damon Wayne's like, here's this one. He's like, oh, that's witty, Whitey. <laughs> uh, and then he yells, you guys suck so bad that Nike should take your shoes away. That's not very good. No, but Ackroyd liked it. Yeah. He's just like, oh, that was a good one with the shoes. <laughs> you can tell he's never talked trash once in his life. Yeah. Always afraid to. Uh, going back to what we were saying before about superstitions, they realize since it's an even game, they should be sitting in the other seats. Right. So they get up and they switch seats. And this becomes a thing. Yeah. And as they're tipping off, Ackroyd pulls a little TV out and starts watching, you know, uh, Marv Albert and Bill Walton on the call. You know, I'm shocked they didn't have a round ball rock in this at all. They had oh. plenty of opportunities and not played once. It couldn't be that expensive to get the you know rights. Seriously. Right? Yeah. They spent, oh, that doesn't have a budget on this, but you know, it made $10 million. Um, uh, they they should have been able to spring for you know round ball rock. Pay, I would think you know pay John Tash an extra you know some like twenty k. It's fine. Yeah, you know it's not my twenty k, but I'm sure they could have afforded it. What's Tom DiRiccio doing? This is why he doesn't work anymore. The Sergio. We can't even pronounce his name. This is why he don't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so the jazz coach is none other than Christopher McDonald. Oh, where you almost got a Hall of Famer. Yeah, this is his second appearance on the on this podcast. Uh, Coach Coach Shooter McGavin. Coach Shooter McGavin. He eats pieces of shit like the Boston Celtics for breakfast. (laughs) He he tries to run into the crowd and fight uh, Daniel Stern. He was well ahead of his time. Like this is where Ron Artest got the idea. I think (laughs) the the night before the brawl in the uh, the palace, you know, he was watching Celtic Pride, and he's like, you know what? Next time somebody talks some shit, I'm going up in the stands. So the Celtics jump out to a big lead. Huge. Uh, Damon Waynes gets frustrated, shoves a Celtics player in the face. Bench is clear. None of this would be allowed in today's game. Oh, God, no. People would be getting kicked out left and right. Yeah, Scott would have been ejected. Everybody that left the bench would have been suspended a game. It would have been a two-on-two game seven if this happened in today's game. Yeah. So the Celtics are up 54-39 at halftime. Oh, I have to interject real quick. One of the main Celtics players, Keith Gibbs, he's also in a movie we're doing later. And he was also, oh my God, Keith Gibbs could become an all-star. Who the hell is Keith Gibbs? He was Kirby for the Celtics. He was also a basketball player for in The Cable Guy. And he is one of the rich khaki-wearing motherfuckers in basketball, which we are going to do later. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I'll take your word for it. I, I, I noticed that. I was like, that dude looks familiar. And I, I you know, got on the internet machine here and uh, Googled a couple things and bam, found out, like, you know, this guy plays basketball in a lot of movies. He was also in the air up there. <laughs> and he was also one of the voices of uh, the Sega game Slam City with Scottie Pippen. Huh. Then that's all he's done. It's just... He was in Forget Paris. He was also a basketball player. So just just basketball stuff. That's all he does. 
Yeah, he was in Blue Chips as he was one of the Colts team basketball players. <laughs> he was in The Sixth Man. All this dude did was basketball movies. He did 10 movies and a video game, and they were all basketball related. Wow. Anyway. Anyway, uh, there's also there's a player on the Jazz who is played by a guy named Gus Williams, but not that one. Oh, really? Not the wizard. Not the wizard. Damn. Oh, he played Derek Lake. Yeah. Uh, at halftime, Daryl Hammond, also of SNL, uh, comes up to our, our boys here. Says, says, you know, he paid $300 from a scalper for the ticket. And, but Stern says, you know, hey, I haven't seen you since Buckner had that little incident at first base. Oh, no. Which Boston fans just, just tightened up a little bit. Oh, no. They, uh, yeah. Everybody who's a sports fan should know exactly what 86 and Buckner and the Sox mean. Yeah. Yeah. So second half, teams come out, and all of a sudden, Lewis Scott can't miss. Cannot miss. Also, why can't they make dunks look good? It, it, yeah, it's like everything's in slow motion, and you definitely know they're coming off a trampoline or being dropped from a crane or something. Yeah, they're like jumping so high and then like throwing the ball down. Yeah, and it just it looks so unrealistic. They're dunking at chest level. No one dunks at chest level except maybe Vince Carter in the dunk contest and Gerald Green and Gerald Green. Yeah, I don't know why they like can't seem. Nobody in Hollywood can seem to make dunking look right. At least in this one, though, the defense actually looks like they're trying. Yeah, that's actually a shock because in most movies, the defense is just kind of there. Yeah. A guy will, like, step to the right, and the guy's like, oh, no, I missed him. Yeah, the chair that played defense against Jian Yi in his warm-up video played more defense than most basketball movie defenders. Yeah. So I will give him credit for that. Whoever the defensive coordinator was on this movie. And if anybody's making a basketball movie coming up and you want some dunk coordinators, you know, Taylor and I are free. We'll, we'll drop what we're doing. We'll come help you guys look good dunking, even though we can't dunk ourselves. Not even on eight foot hoop. We can can be basketball choreographers. Yeah. We'll, we'll help you out. But so Scott's talking trash. He starts saying, you know, I'm on fire. He's on fire. He says, uh, you know, good thing they're tearing this place down because I'm wrecking your house. That's a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. But so Ackroyd and Stern are like, Celtics were on fire and something changed. What changed? And they look back and they see Daryl Hammond, the, the curse. What? And so they stand up and they say, you know, I, I think you should go. You're clearly the bad luck guy. And so eventually he gets like dragged out of there. Yeah, by like an entire section. Yeah, he's not wanted. But it doesn't help. Scott's still burning down the nets. He's so, going for 50 in the second half. Yeah. Ackroyd says, you know, well, since it's the second half and they switched baskets, maybe we sh- are supposed to switch seats again. Yep. So they switch seats again. Still doesn't help. So then they tell the, uh, what was the name? The Turners? The Tanners. The Tanners, uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe you guys need to switch. And so they switch. Nothing's hap- Nothing's working. Everybody in the section gets up and switches. They eventually like invade other sections just to like you know try to figure what's what's going on like luck wise. I mean, they're very sports fans are superstitious. Yeah, yeah, but so nothing try. works. Nothing works. 
Um, although I was just saying that the defense in this movie looks good, it doesn't look very good on the buzzer beating layup <laughs> that Lewis yeah. Scott hits. He had a free pra- pass down Broadway, as Kevin Clara would say. Uh, although it was very reminiscent of Jason Tatum hitting a game winning layup against the Nets. That's true. But the, not everybody on that Nets team play de- plays defense. Yeah, especially not Kyrie. Kyrie don't do shit. So, and then, you know, the Jazz are all celebrating, and Scott just walks away. He, he could give a shit. He's like, whatever. I won the game. So, I'm, going, I'm going dancing. Everybody leaves except for Dan Aykroyd and Daniel Stern, who are sitting alone in the Boston Garden. I don't know why they were allowed to stay this long. <laughs> You know, after that hockey game, you and I tried to stay for a while in uh, in Climate Pledge, and we got kicked out. Yeah, and they, yeah, and the team won, but people were like, "No, you got to go." It's like, <laughs> but but we helped, kind of. <laughs> yeah, this is hours later, and they're still sitting in their seats. Yeah, um, but Ackroyd says, "Well, it could be worse. It's not like we're boat people out in the Bermuda Triangle in a leaky raft, dying of thirst." Kevin, <laughs> I cannot. I cannot tell you how hard I laughed at the following line. I wish I was a boat person. Their team <laughs> didn't lose. They're happy. They're on a boat. <laughs> it's true. I think I've seen a graph like where you have a boat and then your happiness level after purchasing said boat. It's got a plateau at some point, though. Yeah, that's true. And that's the point where having a friend with a boat overtakes it. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> he got a bigger boat. Because <laughs> he's got to pay for it. He's got to clean it. He's got to put fuel in it. You don't have to do any of that stuff, but you get to go out on the water. <laughs> Truth. So these bartenders uh, at the Roxy call up Ackroyd and they tell him, hey, you'll never guess who just walked in. Lewis Scott. Ooh. And so Ackroyd tells Stern, he's like, hey, that was, I didn't write down their names. It's like Teddy and Patty or something like that. But. I think it was Teddy and Patty, yeah. He's like, they said that that Lewis Scott's at the Roxy, and he's dancing. He's dancing, Mike. Dancing. He's throwing it in our face. (laughs) So they go to the Roxy. Uh, Stern needed a jacket to get in, so Ackroyd gave him Jack Nicholas's PGA Tour jacket. Which fit him perfectly. Yeah. Um, Ackroyd tells Stern, he says, I just want to look him in the eye. And so he dance, dances to the middle of the dance floor. Just this like super old white guy dance. Ducks down and pops up right in Lewis Scott's face. <laughs> and they like zoom in on his face. And it's like so vintage Dan Aykroyd. You look it just, crazy. It made me think of Coneheads was the first thing I thought yeah. of. We come from yeah, and France. he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> I think he made Coneheads right around this time too. Yeah, but so this uh, this is when they come up with the idea. What if we get him so completely hammered that he's too hungover to play on Sundays? So I'm, I mean, I don't know what day of the week this was, but they say on Sunday and not tomorrow. So apparently, the plan is to get him so hung, so drunk he's hungover for a day and a half at least. Have you ever been that hungover? No, no, me either. It eventually goes away the next day. Yeah, I, I'm two sleeps is usually enough. Yeah, if you need more than two sleeps, you're probably dead. You're probably an alcoholic. Yeah, that's true. That, yeah, true. So they go up to Lewis Scott. They start, you know, 
trying to get on his good side, telling him that they hate the Celtics and, uh, you know, they can't wait for him to kick their ass. And this drunk guy comes up and starts yelling at Lewis Scott. And so Stern steps in. He's like, you know, hey, don't you know who this is? This is the greatest player in the NBA. Guy's like, hey, where are you from? He's like, uh, Charlestown. Yeah, he's like, I'm from Charlestown. Just shut up. <laughs> traitor, you goddamn traitor. Uh, then Larry Bird walks up, daps up Lewis Scott, you know, and Scott tells him, hey, look what I found. The only two white Irish dudes from Boston who hate the Celtics. <laughs> and they're like, oh, uh, but, you know, not not when you were playing. We, we, we liked we liked them when you were playing. And Bird's just like, you know, fans like you make me sick. So uh, they just embarrass themselves in front of one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Yeah, top five ever. Definitely I, top I, Celtic of all time. Yeah, I would crack if like we were put in the same situation and like Carmel, we were trying to dap up Carl Malone or John Stockton and like Peyton or Kemp came up and was like, no, we're jazz fans. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> yeah, the idea of being a jazz fan. Ugh. There was one time like we were, um, I was with my family in Spokane over the summer and John Stockton and his family came in and he was signing autographs and stuff like that. And I was trying to get around him. And he's like, Hey, do you want an autograph? And I go, no, not from you. <laughs> yeah. I did that to John Stockton. Depends. Are you vaccinated? <laughs> no. <laughs> but so they, they shut this bar down. And of course, since they know the bartenders, they just hang out afterwards and they play, uh, invent a drink. Well, there are some interesting drinks going on there. Uh, I, I didn't make a note of the one that Stern made. I don't, I don't, they didn't show us what any of the drinks were, but no, they just poured a bunch of shit into glasses. Yeah. Ackroyd's was called Jimmy's dick. Yeah. Because it's short, short. fat, but yeah. it fills the gap. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then Damon Wayans makes one called the Boston Celtic, which looked like it was like Midori or yeah. some other kind of green liquor. It could and have then been like absinthe. a, it could have been, yeah. Oh, that would have messed some people up. <laughs> and then like a, a white rum or a white vodka or something. And he says it's oh, weak yeah. because it's white. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point, Damon Wayne's is just absolutely pissed. Uh, if you ever watched In Living Color, he sounds like Anton, who was the drunk homeless guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, I do, and I'm just having fond memories of In Living Color. That was such he a great always, show. He always had the jar full of piss that had a yeah. pickle in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Such a good show. Yeah. But he passes out, so Stern and Ackroyd carry him out of the bar. The next morning, Stern wakes up, and Damon Waynes is in his bed with his hands duct taped. Uh, you know. So what happens after a good night out drinking with the bu- with the boys? Is it? Oh, I've never ended up with some dude duct taped to my bed when I woke <laughs> up the next day. I noticed you said dude. Or a girl. Uh, okay. Or horse. Or dog. No living. <laughs> Let's just stop here. <laughs> I've said uh, too but Stern much. says, you know, I Stern says I must have been so wasted I passed out. And Dan Eckert says, I'm never gonna drink hard alcohol again. Only beer, wine, and creme de menthe. (laughs) (laughs) But they decide before they let him go, they're going to humiliate him by taking photos of him in a 
uh, Larry Bird jersey and a Celtics hat. Celtic foam finger. Yeah, picking his nose with the with the foam finger. Yeah. But as they're carrying him, carrying him downstairs to take him outside, and I guess just leave him on the street, he wakes up, and it, I love they're like, I think it's Stern is like, you know, don't worry about it. He doesn't even know who we are, and he's like, yeah, you're Mike O'Hara and you're Jimmy Flaherty. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! Just the fact that he remembers their full names. And why didn't they come up with aliases? Yeah, really. Do you have an alias just in case, ready to go? Uh, no, but I could probably come up with one. Jake Ireland. Do you? Yeah, Jake Ireland. Jake Ireland? Jake Ireland. I don't know why, but it's my go-to. I've never had to use it, but if I had to, that's what I'd be. Now I have to come up with a new one. <laughs> that's a pretty good one because it's you you don't want it to be too memorable. No. I think it's right? like you don't want to be like you don't want to be like pernicious Cornwall the third or something. <laughs> it's like yeah. that people are gonna that really stands out. So yeah, you want to be like a like a Brandon Tate. Yeah, exactly. It's just like quick, like, you know, just quick syllables in and out. And it's like, it could be anything. Bob Roberts. Sure. Jan Jorgensen. I see. You don't want to go too ethnic. That's true. That's why Jake Ireland is like, I don't know. It was like, you know, Pete, Spain or some shit. I don't know. Some country. Jimmy Canada. David Barcelona. (laughs) David Barcelona. Okay. Um... (laughs) But as Damon Wayne's is trying to escape, uh, Dan Aykroyd pulls this vintage gun on him that he he just says was in the seventy two Olympics from a, somebody like a Russian, yeah, a Russian like pop shot. I don't know, not pop shot, but what the hell would you use a gun for in the Olympics? Uh, biathlon. Oh, that's right. But isn't that usually like a, a pi- that's a that's a rifle? Isn't a rifle. It? Yeah, and then this was a pistol type thing. You know, yeah, I, I just know. assume back in 72, they had pop shot as well. <laughs> uh, we then see at jazz practice, there's this big, tall uh, Croatian center who they just call Lur- Lurch. Lurch. And he's telling coach Shooter McGavin, he's like, hey, coach, put me in. I can handle the rock. <laughs> he tells him, don't dog me, coach. I've got the bad crap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go put your bad crap back on the end of the bench. <laughs> Uh, we then see uh, Daniel Stern is out on the street. I don't remember where he's going, but get coffee and food. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Jimmy was going to make some banana pancakes and <laughs> some bacon, some sausages, an omelet. Can make a Spanish omelet. I know this good Dutch place. We could do Italian. Yeah. Uh, we see Jeffrey Ross. Oh, God, Jeffrey that, Ross runs up who, to. That's who that was. Yeah. The roast master himself. God, he's so uh, he runs up to Officer Kevin, tells him that he has his car stolen, but Kevin is too busy talking to Daniel Stern about the Celtics. <laughs> he's just yeah. like, "Yeah, I'll be with you in a moment." You're not going to get laid in the two minutes that Porsche's gone, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever he said, something along those lines. Yeah, something along those lines. But Stern says, "You know, somebody really should just kidnap Lewis Scott." Kevin's like, "You know, somebody should," and they kind of like start almost making a plan right on the spot. And he's just like, but we're just, we're just joking around here. Right. Right. Yeah. That would be an actual crime. But he does tell him that whether like, if you kidnap somebody, whether you keep them for a day or a week, it's the same crime, which I don't think is true, but no, I think it becomes worse. The longer it gets. Right. 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a like, criminal. Or a false lawyer. imprisonment. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's some. Oh, there's something there. Yeah. Joanna needs to get a law degree. But you know, Stern basically comes to the conclusion that they can just keep him through Game Seven, and it doesn't matter because they're going to go to jail either way at this point. Right. It's logical. So might as well just keep him through Game Seven. Right. Back at the apartment, Damon Wayne's is trying to get Dan Aykroyd to turn against Stern. Starts, you know, giving him the whole like power dynamic argument. Why do you do whatever he says? He lays it on thick and good too. Yeah, and he starts to get Aykroyd, but Aykroyd finally snaps back. So then uh, Damon Wayne starts threatening him, basically saying, you know, he's, he's going to kick his ass. And so Jimmy fires the gun over his head, and <laughs> Lewis Scott's he- like. That you could have taken my head off. And he's like, I wish I had. I had my Bill Buckner ball. <laughs> Why would you keep that? So Stern comes back. And again, Damon Waynes is just, you know, kind of needling Aykroyd until Aykroyd just punches Stern right in the face. <laughs> and so, you know, Stern explains to Aykroyd that Kevin told him kidnapping is kidnapping no matter how long they hold him. So we'll just hold him until after the game. We're going to go to jail, but maybe we'll see the Celtics win one last championship at the Garden. At the Garden. We see uh, Stern's kid asking his mom, am I only going to see my dad on Sundays? And the mom (laughs) says, well, football season is coming up, so I doubt you'll see him on Sundays. It's a good point. It's a good, good point. Uh, Then back at the apartment, they're they're watching like log rodeos because Jimmy and Mike will just watch sports. Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, I think ESPN2, that's basically all ESPN2 was back in the 90s. is just like bowling, log rolling, badminton, pickleball, cornhole. Corn Dude, that's got primetime slots now. That's I'm, true. Like, we were in it, Vegas. It was like on at the bars. Like I did not expect there to be professional cornhole, but the other day I found out there's professional soccer golf. So, you know. There you go. Yeah. I kind of want to play that, though. But they like they know all the guys' names. They know about this. One of them had like a shoulder injury. Yeah, not big Bill Thompson. <laughs> and then yeah, he says you wouldn't see Bill Thompson out there hucking chainsaws. And then all of a sudden it's like, hi, I'm Bill Thompson. And when I need when I need a good quality chainsaw, I reach for my whatever Husqvarna. It wasn't Husqvarna, but that's... it wasn't Husqvarna. And it wasn't still. It was like uh, yeah, McCutcheon, McCutcheon or something like that. It's not an actual yeah. brand. I grew up in a logging town. I know my chainsaw brands. <laughs> hey, I used to go to the Buckley Log Show growing up. Ooh, we had loggers play day every oh. Memorial Day week or not, uh, Labor Day weekend, and that had log chopping, log sawing, log rolling, a huge parade of log trucks, and the goddamn Shriners. <laughs> <laughs> At least I haven't taken the goddamn sign down. <laughs> but so they tell Damon Wayans they're like you know this, speaking of advertising I, I bet that I I will tell let me word this better he says let me tell you what I will flip through every channel on this TV and if I don't find one of your commercials I will let you go Jimmy's like oh no yeah and uh, Scott is just like yeah let's go I'm ready so he starts yeah. flipping through the channels Got 125 channels on this dish. Yeah. Scott's like, hey, you want to pick up the pace? And uh, Mike just looks at him and just 
keeps flipping at the same pace. Eventually, they start kind of kind of sweating because they're not seeing the ESPN two yet. <laughs> yeah, he tells them I haven't even got the ESPN two. But so then finally, he lands on an Oscar Mayer commercial with Lewis Scott playing one on one with a cartoon hot dog. I'd go one on one with this wiener any day. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say wiener. Hot dog, sorry. <laughs> In my head, I was like, he should have said Wiener. That would have been funnier. Then I love the way Mike makes fun of him. He's like, I'll play one-on-one with this hot dog no. any day. Yum, yum. yum. <laughs> now I kind of want a hot dog. At this point, Mike's wife and kid come to drop off some trophies. Jimmy and Scott go into the kitchen. Stern's wife thinks that he's got a woman in there. So she like barges in and she sees Scott with his mouth all taped. Dan Aykroyd looks insane. Yeah. He's got the gun pulled, pointed at him. And just not blinking. Just the most insane face that Dan Aykroyd could possibly make. I don't know if I've seen him make that face in any other movie. We'll have to (laughs) see because we got some Aykroyd movies coming up. That's true. Uh, For whatever reason, she like agrees to not say anything to the cops or anything. You know, if I was going through a divorce and I was pretty bitter about it, I'd probably say something to the cops. Right? Yeah. If Joanna had, I don't, we don't have a sports team that's going to be going for a championship anytime soon. I don't know. I have no good, no good anecdote for this. LeBron. Yeah. She, she, if she was divorcing me and had LeBron kidnapped and be like, you know what? I hate the Lakers, but I'm still calling her in. Yeah. Yeah. But so she leaves and then Nick, the landlord shows up and while they're arguing with Nick, the landlord, Damon Waynes goes into the bathroom and is able to untie himself. He had to use a razor or something, right? I I would think so. I don't know how he could have like maneuvered to get to the duct tape to rip it off. Yeah. Yeah. That was put together pretty good. There was like a, like a thick stretch of duct tape and that's not that pliable. Yeah, the, and they, they like made handcuffs. It wasn't like he they were taped together. No, it was. Yeah, we're showing people that can't see this. We're yeah, like we're demonstrating. Sh- we're showing each other. Yeah, but like if if you're like this, you know, you can kind of like you know go like back and forth to get it to flex until maybe you can wriggle one out. But the way they had it, right. there's like tape in between. Yeah, and it was stiff. And so there's... it would be hard to really kind of. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious. I'm like, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll try it. Gonna, we'll try it. We'll, we'll do some bonus content. I think we're coming up to Seattle this summer. We'll try it. <laughs> but so he runs out of the apartment. They chase him, but they they can't even make it a, a block without getting winded. It was uphill too, so they had no chance. That's true. But Scott jumps in a cab, and he's like, "Hey, just just drive." And the cab's like, "Hey, you're Lewis Scott. Get the uh, hell yeah. out of my cab." <laughs> <laughs> I could see that actually happening in Boston. Most of oh, absolutely. Cities, yeah. Maybe a Knicks fan cab driver, but they're not going to play for a championship anytime soon. <laughs> hey, Knicks fans, just remember the Sonics have more playoff wins since the year 2000 than you do, and they haven't existed in 14 years. <laughs> oh, it makes me Knicks laugh and fan. cry. Yeah. That's all I got. I, I just have to be better now. I don't know why I picked uh, on the Knicks. <laughs> They're an easy target, I guess. I'm just a, I'm a bully. Yeah. Jimmy talks to an old lady who has a dog named Bill Russell. That's a good name for a dog. Yeah. I, oh, 
it should have, I wish they would have done like, you know, an Irish wolfhound since it's like a big scary dog and that would have been more fit Bill Russell than like that. I don't know what kind of dog that was. Little Pomeranian or whatever it was. Yeah, it was something. It was a tiny dog. They could have done, they could have honored Bill Russell a little bit better. Yeah. But Stern chases Scott down in uh, Ackroyd's plumbing van, steps out with a big ass wrench right as Kevin walks up. Kevin and Cat. And, yeah. And Scott is just like, hey, officer, help me, help me. And Kevin's just like, oh, I didn't see nothing. Just kind of walks away. Um, or, yeah, Scott's like, this goddamn town. <laughs> and then we see Kevin in his car on the phone. And he's just like, what if I told you I had some intel about game seven and I know how to make a lot of money on the Celtics? I thought he was going to put in a big bet, but he does something stupider. Yep. We'll get to that. Way dumber. <laughs> so they stop for gas and Scott gets out and he sprays gas all over Stern's crotch. And he takes this Celtics lighter that he found in the back of the van and he threatens to light Stern's dick on fire. I would do anything he wanted at that point. Yeah. And so he's just like, you know, let me go or I'm, I'm going to light him up. And Akra's just like, go ahead, do it. And so he tries, but the lighter won't light. So yeah, they, dead th- lighter. they throw him back in the van, get back on the road. Then Stern pulls out a cigarette, which I'm like, you're covered in gasoline. Maybe don't smoke a cigarette. No, I would not take that chance, especially where that gasoline is. I yeah. would want to be the furthest away from anything that could be flammable as possible. I would stay away from a vehicle. <laughs> Things happen. You don't know. It's true. I would go jump in. Is, is there a river in Boston? Is there like a Boston river? I assume don't they like paint? Boston. Isn't there one they dye green every year? Not Chicago. Patrick's Day? I think it was oh, Chicago. I thought there was one in Boston too. Let me see. Boston River. I don't know. But anyway, he pulls out the cigarette, puts it in his mouth. Jimmy flicks this open is- the lighter and lights a cigarette. And he's like, oh, what do you know? Guess it does work. <laughs> I would have been, I think I would have just slammed his head into the side of the window. I'd have been so mad. Yeah, really. Like an in, in out cold, slam his head yeah. against the steering wheel. <laughs> just over and over and over. Huh, huh, huh. Yeah. Oh, there's a Uruguayan soccer club called Boston River. Oh, obviously. But there's no nothing called the Boston River, apparently. All right. Anyway. But Scott tells him, you know, he's like, guys, you, you don't want to do this. Like, Mike, you, you've got a wife and kids. And Jimmy, you've got, well, you've got Mike and he's got a wife and kids. Yeah, wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good line. Yeah. But so Scott t- starts telling Mike that, you know, he's just, he's mad because he, he doesn't have the talent. And so Mike's like, you don't think I have the talent? And so they stop at a court and play one-on-one. And this goes about as well as you expect. Yeah. Even with his hands taped, Scott is raining down on him, taking him to the hole. There's just no stopping him. Yeah. Eventually they do untape him so he can actually play. And that, you know, obviously gets even worse. But Mike won't call game. No, he just just takes his ass whooping. Not even like a man. He says, it's not over till I say it's over. And so Scott just just wears him out. And I mean, like, literally, like, they play until the sun comes up and Mike just collapses. He can't even stand anymore. It's like 152 to nothing at this point. Yeah. Uh, Ackroyd also does his best Bob Cousy impression, which is pretty good, I will say. It's pretty, it's pretty, Ackroyd does a good voice. I'll give him that. Yeah. 
But so Mike is laid out. Jimmy goes to check on him and Lewis Scott throws the ball at Jimmy, pegs him in the side of the head, takes the gun, points it at him, says, give me the keys. So he takes the van, but he tells him, he says, all right, I'll make you a deal. I won't turn you guys in as long as the jazz win tomorrow. And yeah, they have to wear jazz gear to the game. Yeah. He tells him wear something purple. Look pretty for me. Slap me around and call me Susan. Or that's a different <laughs> Damon Wayne's movie. Is that another list? I don't know. Cringe be. of cringe. They have to, they show up in jazz jerseys and they have to root for the jazz. Of course, I couldn't do it. everyone, everyone in the garden is just shocked by this. Even Susie. And Jimmy don't get his hot dog. Yep. He says, I'm going to need a hug with my hot dog today. And she's just like, go fuck yourself. She doesn't say that, but I don't know what she says, but yeah, it's like, yeah, basically go fuck yourself. We're done here. <laughs> but so they tell everyone, they're like, Hey, look, obviously we are the bad luck guys. So when we root for the jazz, we're going to jinx them and the Celtics are going to win. Seems legit. Sure. Mr. Tanner's like, I always knew it was you, <laughs> but Lewis Scott is not at the arena. He is nowhere so, to be seen. Uh, yeah. At this point, Kevin comes up and he tells him that he made 20,000 uh, Boston Celtic championship bootleg t-shirts. <laughs> and they're so ugly. They're terrible. So bad. And what did they say? Like one last ride or something like that? Yeah, something like that. And have, they have a, le- a like bootleg leprechaun on them. Just so bad. They're, they're terrible. Even for the 90s, these were bad. And in the mid-90s, if you remember, had nothing but bad design all over the place. It's true, yeah. Except for the All-Star Game jerseys. San Antonio and Phoenix? The Phoenix ones are still my favorite of all time. I don't, like, with how bad NBA jerseys were, like, during that decade, how did they get those right? I loved the San Antonio ones with the pepper on them. Yeah, those were so cool, too. Uh, But anyway, Lewis Scott shows up. Just before game time, after the starting lineups have already been announced. So Coach Shooter McGavin puts him on the bench and is just screaming at him. You know, how's it feel? How's it feel? And Mike's like, what the hell's wrong with you? Put him in. (laughs) And so uh, just as they're about to tip off, Coach is like, all right, get in there. Hope you learned your (laughs) lesson. That's some hardcore coaching. Really got through to him. Um, I do love when, when Lurch is announced. He's like, they love me. And Lake is just like, no, they're cheering because Scott's not here. Why do you have to ruin this for me, man? <laughs> I would probably say the same thing. It's like, you know what? Let them cheer me. Don't ruin this for me. See, yeah. only like three minutes of basketball time I'm ever going to get my whole life. Once again, Celtics come out hot. 52-38 at halftime. Almost the exact same score. What a coincidence. Uh, they announce, well, uh, not just they, Bob Cousy comes out to announce the Half-court shot for $100,000, and who should get it but Jimmy Flaherty? What are the chances that it happened on the night he's wearing a motherfucking jazz jersey? Yeah, so he gets booed as he comes out to the court in his jazz jersey and combat boots. (laughs) He's so lucky this wasn't Philly. Yeah. He would have been pelted with batteries, just like Santa. But he's just awestruck by Bob Cousy. And Bob Cousy gives the ball and he's like, Ackroyd's like, oh, I don't want you to steal it from me. <laughs> Cousy's like, what the hell? 
Yakushi's like, whatever, man. <laughs> Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Nerds. But Akarite steps up and he like he's holding this ball like he's gonna bowl it. This is, I think this like, is the first time Akarite has ever held a basketball in his entire life. <laughs> sure seemed that way. Right? Because like everything he does looks like he's going to bowl. He like takes a step back and he's holding the ball like this, and he kind of like shuffle steps up, reaches back, and throws it underhand, but he drains it. Nothing but net. Gets a big ass check for a hundred thousand dollars. This will be great for bail and a good lawyer. Yes, you can hear Stern say 100 grand. Or no, it was Ackroyd says 100 grand. Can buy a pretty good lawyer. Yep. <laughs> so second half starts. Celtics are just keeping it up, keeping the beat down going. So Stern yells Kirby, at Lewis Scott. nuts on him. He says, look, everyone in this arena knows you're going to shoot. Why don't you surprise him and pass the ball? And, and so that's what he does. The first time... Yeah, the first time he does it, he like nails this big lanky white dude in a Rip Hamilton mask. <laughs> Pigs him right in the back of the head. He looks like God. He looks like um, like not Will Perdue, but like basically any cut of the mill white center from the mid nineties. <laughs> whoever like whoever casted that guy like nailed it because that dude looked like any seven foot white dude in the nineties. Yeah, he looked like Sean Bradley, but not that. that yeah. Oh, that's a good comparison. Like an old Sean Bradley. Yeah. But so Lewis Scott starts dishing the ball. You know, he drives to the basket, gets the defense to collapse, passes the ball for an easy two. Jazz start coming back. Uh, after a while, this Sean Bradley guy is just like, whoa, I think I have a concussion. It's like he's been playing for a while. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's, he probably should have come out a long time ago if you can barely stand all of a sudden. It's just like, yeah, it's like I got an inner ear thing now. Yeah, but so it's time for Lurch to come into the game and bring his death row shit. <laughs> I love Lurch. Oh, he should have been a bigger part. Dude, you know, Lurch is Boban. Oh, dude, you're right. He is Boban. <laughs> or George Murison back in the day. Mm, the smell of my perfume. It smells like <laughs> cabbage. Chicks dig it. God, that was like my favorite commercial back in the 90s. Or those snicker commercials where the quarterback gets concussed. Do you know where you are? Gotham. Do you know who you are? I am Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, good citizen. Would you like to ride with Batman? (laughs) Concussions were funny in the 90s. Leave me alone. (laughs) Not so funny now. Anyway, Uh, continue with the film. (laughs) So the Jazz come back. It's now a tight game. Uh, Dan Aykroyd can't watch, closes his eyes, puts his fingers in his ears and starts singing, play that funky music, white white boy. boy. (laughs) Uh, And the Jazz score. So Stern tells him, you know, keep singing, keep singing. So he's like, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're coming down to the wire. Lewis Scott jumps out of bounds and throws the ball off a Celtics player, which you can't do anymore. Nope. Which is a goddamn travesty. Yeah. I used to do that shit all the time. That was like my move because, you know, that's all I had. <laughs> so the Jazz call timeout. Coach Shooter McGavin is just like, now you go here and you go over here and you set the pick and you do this and you go over here and then we do this and just like, and he like shows his whiteboard and it's just scribbles. It's like a four year old got a hold of that thing. Yeah. Look at that. Look at the dog I drew, Daddy. Yay. And he's like, everybody understand? And everyone just kind of looks at each other and Scott's like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> got it, coach. 
So seven seconds left. Jazz are down one. They inbound the ball to Scott, drives to the basket, hits who else? Lurch. Lurch. Who dunks it at the buzzer for the game winner. I would not have chanced dunking it at the buzzer. Yeah, right? Yeah, You never hold on to the ball longer than you need to when it's getting down to triple zeros. Although he dunks it and then they show the clock and the clock is at like, Point I don't know. Seven. At least, yeah. And then it runs yeah. off. And I'm like, wait a minute. That clock should have stopped. But back in the 90s, there was no replay. If the operator let it go, it was over. That's right. Yep. Back when the game was pure. So uh, you can tell this to work a fiction because the Jazz just won a championship. Hey, that's never going to happen in real life. Uh, but well, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is your one, too. Stern and Ackroyd run onto the court. They're hugging Scott, and Kevin comes up, and he's just like, Mr. Scott, I have reason to believe that these two men may have perpetrated a crime against you. Is there anything you'd like to tell me? And he says, yeah, I know these two jerks. They're my friends. Oh, they they bonded. And so they're all celebrating. And Jimmy says, I'm sorry about the abduction. I've never done that to another guy. Wait a second. Hang on. <laughs> Hold up. It's like me being duct tape. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we then see seven months later, Jimmy and uh, Mike are creeping through a house. Mike's talking about how him and his wife have, you know, kind of patched things up. So he doesn't know if he should be doing this. But Ackroyd says, you know, I, you said that you will never fear with an NBA game again. And you haven't. This is different. Then they walk into a bedroom. It's football season. <laughs> it's football season. And they're, and they're kidnapping Deion Sanders. <sighs> Who looks very shocked. Yeah. It's your 3 a.m. wake up call. <laughs> and then, you know, they pull the duct tape. Cue the credits, which roll over a uh, montage of the Boston Garden being demolished. That was hard. So, uh, like I said, I love this movie. I think it's hilarious. I can't believe a Judd Apatow movie only has 8% approval. Is it his lowest one? It has to be. Hold on. I mean, I don't even know what else could be. Yeah, because pretty much everything he's made has been, like, critically acclaimed. Let's see. Let's pull it up. His highest rated movie is Judd Apatow Return. His... His director, yeah, his lowest rated like thing he's directed is year one. What's that? Um, I think it was like that Jack Black Michael Sarah movie. Oh no, I know what it is. What's the rating? Oh, fourteen percent. Well, this is lower than that. Yeah. Oh, but he didn't. But he didn't direct it. No, he didn't direct this. I think that's it. Doesn't like give anything else really. Oh, which is kind of weird. It don't matter. It don't matter. Yeah, it just does all his like directing. Like it does screenwriters like Fun with Dick and Jane. He wrote that. Did he? Yeah, apparently. No, no wonder I love that movie. That was that was. Is that on our list? That should be on our list. It's oh not yeah, on our yeah, list. it is. It is. Okay, cool. So, what did you think of this movie? I like. I told, I watched it a few times when it first came out, and um, I thought it was funny. And I had, like I said, I haven't probably seen this since I was like sixteen or seventeen years old. So. Um, it's, it's been, it's been a minute and I liked it. I still like it. I'd watch it again. Like, you know, I think it's eight bucks on Apple right now. So I may buy it just to have it in my, uh, my stream collection. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that quotable, which is the thing we always talk about. Yeah. Although I feel like I have yelled, you're in Beantown now, baby. Yeah. You've Uh, done that a couple of (laughs) times. Yeah. 
Beat down. I, f- I, f- I feel like I may start using. They're happy. They're on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that's a good one. That that you know, you're in Bean Town, baby, and they're happy. They're on a boat. They're probably the best lines from the movie. And I hear Manute Bulls banging your mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could update that to Bull Bull now. That's right. And if you people can't tell, Taylor and I are huge basketball nerds. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I I am sh- shocked to see this solo. Like, I, I knew that it didn't get a lot of critical acclaim, but I I didn't think it was 8% low. No, it bombed at the box office. It, like, I think this almost probably killed Daniel Stern as a leading man, as like a solo leading man, because I can't remember a whole lot that he did after this, that where he was the lead. I mean, he's not a leading man. I don't think Ackroyd's a leading man either. Like, no, Ackroyd's a good, a good number two. Stern is a good number two. Yeah, but they're good ensemble guys. Yeah, but you don't have them. You know, they're not your point guard. Right. Yeah, yeah. He did not do another lead after this, which is fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, I like him. <laughs> he's funny. Yeah, no, he is funny, but he's. I, I don't think he's leading man material. No. Which is which is fine. Yeah. You know, we all can't be Damon Wayne's. We all can't be Gary Payton. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a remake of this, actually. I think this could definitely be remakeable. Well, I would say. Don't put LeBron in it. No, please don't do LeBron. Who would you have as the Lewis Scott character? Like, what KD. team? I would KD. do KD. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, unless you, you just unless you want it to be a fictional character, but I feel like nowadays so many NBA players are also going doing Hollywood, doing movies that I feel like it's true. Y- you would want an actual player in there. Yeah, could we have Damon Wayne's Jr. in it though? Because I fucking love me some Damon Wayne's Jr. It, it would be great if he was just like a teammate, and if he was like Lewis Scott Jr. Oh, that'd be so amazing if he was Lewis Scott Jr. All right, we're gonna write this. We're, we're doing like, like never mention it, but just have his just have the jersey be Scott. Yeah. Well, the NBA players have Scott Jr. on their on their and senior and stuff all on their jerseys now, where they as they didn't do that in the past. That's true. Yeah, we could just have him like never mention his name and just everybody calls him Sweet Lou or something, <laughs> or just call him Scott or Scott. Yeah. Hey Scott. Hey Scott. I mean, all athletes just call each other by their last name. It's true. And in high school, locker rooms as well. And what team would you do? So Katie's the lead. Damon Wayans Jr. is our, is our funny cameo. team, our cameo funny teammate guy. Uh, I mean, it, can you do another team that's not the Celtics? Like, it it's called Celtic, Celtic Pride, Pride, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. So it would be the Celtics. Who do they beat in the finals, though? Uh, or lose to in the finals? The Clippers, um, the Mavs. The, I, bet, the I bet we could get King, the Kings. <laughs> if we did, if we did the Mavs, I bet we could get Cuban to fund it. I have his phone number in his email. <laughs> what? He responds to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> like I said, we're basketball. Hey, if you didn't know, Taylor and I used to write about basketball. We kind of were insiders. We. We we got some contacts. I have Steve Scheffler's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's still on my LinkedIn. 
Do I have Shuffler's phone number still? All right. Well, I mean, Celtic Pride, if, if you're a fan of that SNL style comedy, I would say this falls in line with that. And, you know, like I said, it's a Judd Apatow movie. So it's funny. You don't have to be a basketball fan to enjoy it. But so, it, yeah, it helps if you're a basketball fan. Well, you really helps. don't have to be. It helps. But yeah, sure. you, you really don't have to be. So whether you're a basketball fan or not, I say go watch it, enjoy it. It's two bucks to rent. Uh, why not? Three bucks what to rent. else are you doing? Yeah. yeah. It's the summer. Just, hey, our listenership is up in South Africa and it's wintertime. So, you know, watch this movie, South Africa, Uruguay. Yeah. Where Boston River is, apparently. And go either, you know, uh, celebrate the Celtics making the finals or laugh at the Celtics losing the finals in this. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a jazz fan, just realize this is the closest you're ever getting to a championship. <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to head over to Apple podcasts or Spotify and leave us a five-star review, put a little something in on Apple podcasts. Just say, you know, go Celtics, go warriors, uh, bring back our Sonics. We would appreciate that one. Manute bowls, banging your mom, whatever you want. Ooh. And, uh, Make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well. We put out episodes every Friday. So, uh, yeah, you can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Cult of Splat. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Taylor Bartle. Kevin, where do they follow you? Uh, Twitter, it is Kevin Nescoda. And on the Instagram, it is just Nescoda, D-U-H. So follow us there. Start up a conversation. Let us know what you think of the episode and what you think of the podcast and what you think of the Celtics and uh, whatever else you want to talk about. We're there to chat. So we will see you next week. And until then, see ya. Bye.